0: Welcome to Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Your host is Ellen Etoff, the soulful sex coach. Our program will take you beyond the sex you've been experiencing and open up a whole new world of intimacy. You've got a lot to learn today, so let's get started. Here is Ellen Etoff.
1: What if your spouse or partner told you they wanted to sleep with a co-worker? But first, they wanted you to have sex with someone else. They wanted you to have sex with someone else. So you would feel assured and experience that they still loved and cherished you. And what if you were titillated by the idea, but your moral upbringing and fear of loss shouted, No way, no way. What about commitment? How would you deal with jealousy? What if you have children living at home? What would you tell your parents if, God forbid, they found out? Now, the reason I ask these provocative questions is because they bring up some of the most in-your-face issues that a couple in a conscious relationship might deal with. But more than that, I want to focus today on how a spiritual perspective on relationships in general can support us in dealing with anything that comes up, as long as we realize that it's all about growth and everything that comes up is a reflection of something inside us. We may not like it, but it's inside us nonetheless. So more on that later. Um, My guests today are Kenya Kay and Carl Stevens. I first learned of them and their work when we all did programs in one of Cassandra Herbert's telesummits. I was really impressed with how they simplified the spiritual perspective on relationships that we share. And their very tangible and practical approach, which they call progressive love, really makes it very relatable in my opinion. Then when I was researching their work for this show, I discovered they practice a polyamorous lifestyle. So that just made it much more interesting, especially because I frequently get questions from my audience about difficulty with um, monogamy or an interest in exploring open relating. So welcome Kenya Kay and Carl Stevens. Thank you. How are you, you, Ellen? Thank you. Great. Just really, really glad to be here. Now, the Stevens really walked their talk and the questions I asked a moment ago are actually from their personal story, which we'll discuss in a moment. But Kenya and Carl, I was interested in you not because you have a successful open marriage, but because you seem to be engaging in something much larger and are using your marriage and extended relationships as a venue for exploring that. And um, for a little more formal background on what these folks have been doing here, uh, Kenya and Carl help people create harmonious relationships and achieve life desires. Their best-selling author, uh, authors. She wrote Change Your Man and he wrote Tame Your Woman. In addition to their academic degrees, they were formally trained in yoga, breathing, meditation and metaphysical thought for over 10 years, which informs their unique coaching style. In 2005, they founded Juju Mama LLC. Using the skills and service that, that they've been providing couples and uh, over the years in helping save marriages, they then launched the Progressive Love Movement in 2010. They believe progressive love can save the modern relationship. With a failing 55% divorce rate, this pair is sure that we need new alternatives and bring an expanded view of love to the, um, to the people, so um, into the lives of millions of people who have unfulfilling relationships, they've been married for just 16 years, I guess it is. They live in um, North Carolina and also Manhattan, go back and forth, raising three children who I understand are grade school, middle school, and high school. so you got the whole range there. So let's start with well first of all, before we get into progressive love, now let's start with progressive love. Can you tell us what that is? And I understand you have four principles. Either one of you just dive right in.
2: Okay, well thank you. And thanks for having us on and it was a beautiful introduction. Progressive love is it's just like what you said. It's a way to view relationships. It's a way to view your life and it's a personal empowerment mechanism. And the four principles I think you were alluding to earlier are one, there are no victims and no villains in any part of our lives or our relationships. And there are also no shaming and no blaming in relationships. And then there's also no copying out and no dropping out. And the fourth principle is understanding the purpose of growth and the benefit is love. So when you live within those principles, you're able to see vast improvements not only in your personal power, but in the success and efficiency and love within your relationship. Mm, Great, lovely.
1: And you know, this is very much um, in sync with uh, what you might consider a different perspective on the same thing. It's really the same perspective from a different approach. And uh, this comes from Jose Stevens, a shamanic practitioner and teacher and author whose work I follow. And he says it this way, and I think it's pretty much the same thing, only you have it a little more succinct. He says, nothing can make, this is about, you know, no blaming, no shaming, no victim, that whole thing. He says, nothing can make us feel a certain way unless we already feel that way somewhere inside us. For example, that guy makes me angry because I have anger in me. That woman makes me sad because I have sadness in me. Or that place scares me because I have fear in me. I attracted it to me through resonance. Therefore, the first order of business is to see that and stop the process of blaming and instead take responsibility for everything that happens. He says this is a royal wo- road to power, and the alternative is a royal road to victimization, and, and that
3: is just no fun. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what progressive love is about. Except we did it in four phrases that people can remember. You know, that's no what shame, I like no about what you did. You got those <laughs> no, four things. Yeah, Let's no them again. Fiction, no villains, no shame, no blame, no cop outs, no dropouts, and the purpose is growth. And you know, we need people to commit that to memory because it's it's a challenge when you're in a relationship and everything is hitting the fan. And you want to go on to autopilot, to how you always respond. We like progressive love processing because you remember those principles because they're like a Dr. Seuss medley. <laughs> so,
1: that's uh, very good. Way. I like that. And it yes. is memorable. Now, I want you to explain these principles a little more deeply. But before we get into that, I just want to re- refer to something that was in your intro. And that is, I have to say that the title, and you, I'm sure you've got a good reason for this, but the titles of your books, Change Your Man and Tame Your Woman, they kind of make the hair in the back of my neck stand up because it sounds kind of out of sync with what you're saying, what yeah. like, change is like to do it to somebody else, to tame somebody. Isn't that great? Is tame. I'll, I'll, I know, I'll, it is uh, great. So
3: I know you've got a good answer. I just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> I'm going to have um, my, my, um, Carl explain the cover to his book, but the title to my book, Change Your Man, is very simple. You have to change your inner man in order to bring out your femininity. You have to sit that man down because in this culture, we women have learned masculine principles. We've learned how to be the leader and the warrior. And oh the yes, too well we've learned them, yes. Yeah, we learned them in school. And so the book is about how to sit that man down, that inner man, change him, get him straight, and so that your femininity can arise. And that actually will, in turn, change your partner's behavior. When you change your behavior, you change your partner's behavior.
2: I can yes, vouch so for that. the same thing goes for tame your woman. Please. I mean, when we say tame your woman, who are we talking about? We're talking about a man's inner woman. And what women need to understand, and many need to understand this as well, is that based on how we're raised, especially in modern culture, there tends to be a lack of masculine influence in our lives that's positive. So, for example, yes. in schools, you know, most of the teachers are, are women. In many households, especially in certain communities like the African-American community, you know, you might have up to 70% of all households are single-parent fam- single households. And so you're missing that masculine element. So what happens when we, as we grow and develop, that feminine becomes a major part of who we are as men. But it's not a balanced feminine nature. It's out of balance. So what I'm telling men to do in my book, Tame Your Woman, is to tame that inner feminine. She needs to be put in check you know, and stop bringing her to the forefront in your relationships because your wife or girlfriend, she's looking for your masculine element. She wants to, inter- to integrate and love the masculine you, and she's going to need that in order for there to be some stability in the relationship. So I'm telling men to tame that woman. And when he does that, he'll start to see changes profoundly in himself and within his relationships.
1: Oh, I love your answers. What wonderful. I can't wait to read your books now. <laughs> so, they're, and your answers, you're right. I knew they would be in line with this progressive love perspective. I just couldn't imagine from those titles. So, they're very provocative. Good job. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so, were you doing this work, This pro, were you doing this progressive love, or at least even if you hadn't named it yet, were you approaching your marriage from this perspective and maybe even working in your business with other couples with this perspective before you started exploring becoming sexually intimate with other people?
3: Well, yes. We weren't always working this in our marriage because we got married young. we have been married for 19 years. I got married when I was 21. So I didn't know how to be a wife. I didn't know how to be a mother. I didn't know that those things were separate from just being what I learned to be in college, which is a worker. So I didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know anything about how a relationship should work to be harmonious. But Who does at
1: that age? Yeah. Who does at any
0: age? Um, well, you should. Not most you should,
3: people. You should need to know that before you get married. There should be high school classes. Absolutely. And college classes on how to relate. The most important things in life we don't learn in school. Absolutely. So that's the thing. Once we were progressively relating before we opened our relationship, and that's very important. We don't advise anyone open their relationship unless they know how to relate or at least know the purpose of a relationship. So we lived that reality for many years before we opened, 12 years. So
1: how do you recommend um, a person get started with this progressive love um, and bring it up with their partner since that's obviously the first step? If they want to explore progressive love, how would you well, suggest the they bring it up?
2: Progress, the good thing about progressive love is you can practice it within your current relationship structure or paradigm. So if you're right. in an exclusive relationship or polygynous or polyamorous, whatever it is, you can still practice progressive love. And the best way to approach it is to start to, you know, read our material, read the blogs, because it's going to take a minute to adjust your mindset around a complete accountability mindset, which is the only way you can be 100% empowered as a person. So you have to start to switch that viewpoint from, oh, somebody's doing something to me and I'm a victim to, no, I create my life and I'm empowered to change it and live it the way I desire, the way I want. So once you start to change your mindset, then you know through reading our posts and being a part of our groups, then you can start to actually get into some of the material more deeper. Take a class on on sexuality. We have an I2 Tantra class. Or take a class on gender harmonics, which talks about the energies of the masculine and the feminine. Or take classes on progressive relating. So we want people to take their time to be patient with themselves and be patient with their partners and do not approach open relating as the primary reason or what we're about because it's not. That comes down the line once honesty is in your heart once you trust yourself and your partner, et cetera.
1: Yes, start dealing with your partner leaving their clothes on the floor or being late before you start dealing with really explosive issues, potentially
3: explosive issues, (laughs) is what (laughs) you're suggesting, right? (laughs) Do I have that right? (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. Most people are not really ready to move into an open relationship because they haven't yet understood the purpose of their primary relationship. They don't know why they are there. They don't know the opportunities that their partner is providing with those socks on the floor and the the dishes left unclean, you know.
1: (laughs) So can you give an example? So using one of those examples, can you just speak a little more about, you know, creating your own reality and not blaming or not shaming or being the victim of your partner's actions?
3: Sure. Let's talk about it from two perspectives. Let's talk about it from the mirror perspective and let's talk about it from the proclivity perspective. So from the, mirror per, from the mirror perspective, if my partner is leaving his or her socks on the floor, then clearly we have to first look at it as how is that a reflection of me? What is it that I do that may be lax? What is, why do I have a problem with that person and their socks? Oh, is it because I, um, you know, is it because I don't like that they're lazy? okay, is that something I also don't like about myself? You know, you mm-hmm, have to start mm-hmm. to look at your relationship as your partner is your mirror. Your mate Absolutely. is your mirror, another Dr. Seuss medley. You know, And <laughs> once, once you can do that, that's the only way you can love your partner. If you can't see yourself in all of your partner's behaviors, then you're going to blame them for those behaviors. You won't understand those behaviors, and you won't be really, you don't have love with your partner.
1: Exactly, so okay. seeing that in yourself first, seeing, looking in the mirror.
3: Yes, and the second piece, if you want to go further, is to, you know, look at the gender understandings. What is my role as a man in this relationship? What is my role as a female in this relationship? And how do I go about expressing myself as a woman? Does a woman use force? Does a woman use physicality? Is that a feminine Approach to getting this man to pick up his socks. What is the feminine approach, and utilizing that, and learning your feminine or learning your masculine?
2: Yeah, and it's important. You know, Kenya and I, we don't tell women or men to you know be in the feminine or be in the masculine. It's up to you what you want to do. You can be a man and be well within your feminine, and be a woman and be within your masculine, and you all can relate together. However, what we do propose and we want people to understand is that it's important for you to understand that there is a masculine, that there is a feminine, and that based on how you function in the relationship, you will get the complimentary action from your partner. So if you want to be a woman and be in your masculine, I think that's beautiful. But then don't get mad at your husband when he's not taking a leadership role in the house, a leadership role in the bedroom, mm-hmm. et cetera, because you're playing that role. So we just want to educate people about the choices out there And once you understand what the masculine and the feminine is and how those components play against each other and with each other, then you can choose what you want for yourself and learn how to actually do it.
1: Yeah, I I actually want to get into that a little more because um, I think what women tend to do when they try to get into their feminine sometimes and not take overt action in the masculine is they, they go toward manipulation, which is sort of the negative side of that
2: feminine dynamic. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Is, you know, we have to understand first that we are all powerful people. You know, we are extremely powerful. And, and whether we wield that power consciously or not, we are wielding that power. So as a man and a woman or two partners in a relationship, we are equally powerful. We, are, we have equal ability to influence our reality, equal ability to have an impact in, in each other's lives. And if we choose to, to wield that power in a quote-unquote negative way, like you were alluding to earlier, then it's still wielding that power. Even if we think we're doing it in a positive way, or even if we think our intentions are pure, we need to understand fully what we're doing. And a lot of times, you know, we have the right intention. We want to, to fix our relationship, but we tend to utilize our power incorrectly. And being a passive-aggressive in a relationship is very hurtful. It's a a form of abuse. It's a form of mental abuse, which is just as impactful as physical abuse. certainly is. So let's get back
1: to more of this after. We have to take a short break right now, but I want to come back to that. So, this is Ellen Etoff, and my guests are Kenya and Carl Stevens. You're listening to Ecstatica, The Way to an Erotic, Ecstatic Love Life, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. And a couple of days after the live broadcast, you can get downloads of the show and show transcripts at ecstatica.com show, that's E-X as in exciting, T A T I. CA.com slash show, S H O W. So stay tuned for more on progressive love and polyamory.
0: This is the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel.
2: Health is in your hands. What you do and what you don't do sets the course for the path of your life. Listen for Wise Chats, Simple Talk, Profound Wisdom with Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Through this series, we'll explore energetic approaches to health and healing that provide practical and personal solutions. Our guests will share ideas and insights that will help us all adopt new behaviors and create lasting internal shifts.
4: Wise chats can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. Being outside the box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality? Winning the lottery, waiting for your prince, princess to come, even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply, and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Walter for tools to being outside the box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard For an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries, we'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us, so you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
0: Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's one or send an email to radio show at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff on Ecstatica with my guests Kenya and Carl Stevens discussing progressive love and polyamory. Now, before we went to break, Carl had just gotten into um, discussion about Certain behaviors, certain dynamics can actually be um, mentally and emotionally abusive. And so I wanted to ask, um, relating to one of your principles of progressive love, which you said is no cop-outs and no drop-outs, I'm guessing that means that you don't just leave because the going's getting tough. Is that right?
3: That's right, more or less. Copping out means you stay and you just aren't going to work on yourself. You just ah. chopped it up, You chalked it up to a loss, but you're just going to stay anyway. <laughs> oh, that's drop- really,
1: that's really uh, oppressive, and um, that's like a prison sentence, yeah.
3: Right, that happens a lot.
1: It um, sure does. Dropping
3: out means that you just are going to leave. Uh, you feel that there's nothing that can be done, and you just want to try to hate the person because it's just too painful to be there, and you break up, and you, you, you force yourself to, to hate the person. So those are two um, things that we really do not condone because the heart, needs to always stay open. So topping out and dropping out means closing your heart.
1: Mm, That's
3: all it really means. And when you close your heart, then you're no good for the next one anyway. Because, you know, the thing is that we don't like for individuals to file any relationship as a disappointment. Do you understand what that means?
1: Oh, I I totally do, but please tell the audience.
3: Right. Filing a relationship as a disappointment means I broke up with my partner because he cheated on me that man disappointed me. I broke up with my wife because she wouldn't cook dinner and she wasn't being a housewife. She disappointed me. If you file a love relationship as a disappointment, then you can expect more and more of that behavior in the future from your new partner because it Absolutely. becomes your focus.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, awesome. because you haven't cleaned up what's you know, being mirrored inside you and you're just going to attract that same sort of thing. So with that context... Let me ask you this. Do you think that some relationships just have an expiration date when what maybe what needed to be learned together has actually been completed? Or, on a different scenario, say perhaps in an abusive relationship, getting back to what Carl was discussing before the break, where maybe the lesson, whether it's emotionally or physically abusive – Maybe the lesson was self-love, and the most loving action to be taken is to leave the relationship, especially if the other person is not consciously on the same page regarding wanting to take a spiritual perspective
3: or having that growth perspective. Right. Well, for us, relationships never end. There is no end or expiration to a relationship, because why? The person is always where? In your mind. That's right. leave and go to Alaska, and they are in the other side of the world. They're still in your mind. You're still relating to them through your memories, which are real because there is only now. So, you know, when we say don't cop out or drop out, we're saying keep love open for every person you've ever loved. There should always be that love. Now, if you guys don't live in the same physical house, oh, well. It doesn't matter. If you no longer want to make love with that person... Great. Whatever you want to do to transition the relationship such that you feel comfortable, that's great. But when you chalk it up as a disappointment or you try to hate a person or you force your heart to close, then you can expect to have some serious troubles in your love life.
1: Well put. Good point. Okay. So, thank you. Let's let's get on to your personal story. Let's get into this polyamorous um Realm now. So can you tell us your personal story of how you evolved into this um, open relating uh, situation and how these progressive love principles supported you
2: in this? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, there were a couple of important factors that work. One thing that Kenya and I had in our marriage is, you know, really good communication. Mm-hmm. In terms of we were able to be open and honest about how we felt about a number of things. And number two, we also realized that we needed relationship support. So we had individual counselors and marriage counselors in our lives for the first 10 years of our marriage because we wanted to make sure we had a solid foundation. Did you
1: say the first two years or first 10 years?
2: First 10 years. Okay, good. Yeah, I think that's a prerequisite for probably most marriages and relationships, no matter what relationship it is. It could be business or, or marriage or whatever, but you need somebody to really help you get past the initial bumps so that you can navigate this efficiently. But the two events that happened, one, Kenya had a genuine feeling of love for another man. Mm And when she had this feeling of love, she was able to bring it to me. She was able to bring it to her counselors and our marriage counselors. We were able to talk about it and process it. And then a, a number of years later, probably about four or five years later, I had the same experience, a genuine feeling of love for another woman. And, again, I was able to bring it to Kenya, and we talked about it. And, you know, we actually were able to discuss for over a two-year period, like, what is this? Why do we have these feelings? You know, let's talk about what to do with it, et cetera, et cetera. And along that journey, that's when we discovered, you know, Tantra, and we got into it more formally. And that's when one of our teachers, Shantanityama, which I think you've interviewed on the show, told us about the feminine nature and the masculine nature, and it helped us understand why we had the feelings we had and how to approach it. And eventually, we decided to open our relationship, and that's how we got there.
1: All right. So can you say a little more about why you had those feelings that you had? Because I'm sure people are wondering, like, well, if you had love for somebody else, what about your love for
3: each other? Well, yeah, we learned, I mean, I've never been a person who believed that if I love one person um, intimately that I can't love another person at the same time. I mean, even in high school, I had the feeling of love for many boys at the same time. I mean, I love all my children. I have three teenagers. Yeah. I love I know. Them I don't know
1: why people think they can love their children equally, and yet they can only love one other person. Uh, intimately, well, it's, it's in, in terms of a
3: it's romance relationship. Years of watching Western television, and nothing wrong with it, but it's that's the model that they set forth in the media, which is the predominant force behind how we get programmed to know what love is, okay?
1: Of course, but, and of course, you know, the more research has been coming out, like the book The Dawn of Sex and
3: other research about our nature, so to speak. Well, Right, we know now that human beings are not a monogamous species. A monogamous species only has sex when the woman is in her fertile period. A monogamous species, the men, the, the, the male and the females are of the same height and body size. And oh, weight. that's interesting. A monogamous species does not have a pr- women or females with pr- protruding breasts and, you know, things that call men
1: Interesting.
3: So there's a lot of physiological standards that would let us know that we're clearly not a monogamous species. But, I don't know, we've just been programmed to believe that we are, and that ruins a lot of marriages. 55% of marriages fail. 66% of those married today are experiencing adulterous affairs. 85% of those married today said that they would have sex with somebody else if their partner could never find out.
1: So we have an issue here. We do have an issue. That's, a well, that's well put. So, an and then of, cor- of course, you know, some of those marriages are ending because of the reasons we discussed earlier. They're kind of complete and they're moving on, but probably not a very large percentage.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, you can always tell how a marriage ends, you know, when people are friends and they're able to really, you know, even have great conversation and even intimacy going forward and there's no hard feelings then, yeah, that could be what we call a transition of a relationship, and that's perfectly fine. Nothing stays the same. You know, people think the in-love feeling is going to last forever and I'm going to be passionately in love with this person forever, and that's not how it works. You know, love matures. So over time you go from, you know, the crush feelings and the in-loveness to, you know, choosing love and being there for your partner and being a true friend and actually liking, supporting, and respecting this person on a higher level. And, yeah, if you're going to say that we should no no longer be married because the marriage represented something different when we got married and we can't transfer that to something else, then fine. You can go ahead and and transition the marriage. But most, like you said, most marriages and relationships end because people are angry and upset and hurt, and that's what we're trying to help people understand that they don't have to go down that path.
1: That'd be a huge service. So let me ask you about um, how... Bonding and attachment with other people plays into this scenario because science has shown that oxytocin and vasopressin in seminal fluid can give feelings of deep attachment. And you probably know of Helen Fisher's work. She's a biological anthropologist and author of a number of books But she wrote, including um, Why We Love and Why Him, Why Her. And she says that casual sex is rarely casual. And there's some really basic biological... Uh, chemicals that get stimulated. She says fondling the genitals stimulates the the production of dopamine, the brain chemical associated with feelings of intense romantic love. And just after orgasm, you get a spurt of norepinephrine, too, that's closely related to um, the chemical associated with energy and exhilaration and focused attention. So when you have sex with somebody outside your primary relationship or even somebody you hardly know, you can stimulate these powerful neural juices and they can actually, this biochemical process can actually push you toward feelings of passionate romantic love. And she's saying also that flood of oxytocin and vasopressin um, are the cuddle chemicals associated with attachment. So you can get um, really deep feelings of union with another person. And she's actually recommending that, or she's she talks about how people like, younger people who are single, um, sometimes she thinks they subconsciously or unconsciously are attracted to somebody and have sex on the first meeting just to stimulate those feelings of bonding. So how does this play into the, the sort of risk factor, I might ask, you know, when, well, when one of you sleeps with somebody else?
3: Sure. First of all, we don't believe in casual sex. We would agree with that author that sex is never casual. It does bring about bonding, and it does bring about deep union and connection. Secondly, we believe that human beings are supposed to be supposed to be deeply bonding and connecting. We believe that as human beings, the only way we can survive without fangs and the only way we 've survived without having venomous poison in our bodies to kill bigger animals than us is because we live in community, or we are supposed to be living in community. So the idea that we are going to bond with somebody if we have sex with them would create several bonds, and several bonds create community. Right now we're seeing a fall in our communities. We're no longer bonded. We can't go next door and borrow sugar. We can't look around and find support in our friends. We can't even tell our friends what we're really going through. We can't be authentic with each other. Why? Because the human population is no longer bonding together. We're choosing to bond with a couple, and we're creating nuclear families that fail.
1: And a lot of isolation, I might add.
3: It's a lot of isolation. We cannot raise our children. One woman and one man cannot raise three children. I have three children. Without the support of my friends and my family, and I really need to have even more deep bonds with more men and more women, that is the only way. It takes a village. So that mechanism of bonding from sex is very useful to humans if we weren't so afraid of it.
1: Yeah. Right? So, oh,
3: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And of course... What if, you f- had, what if you had five men who felt responsible for your children? I know. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yes. And why wouldn't your husband want that? What if he died? Why wouldn't he want five men who felt absolutely bonded to you and your children? That's what an well, alpha know. man wants. Yeah. And that's it, what a smart woman wants.
1: That's what a true alpha more man wants. I want women bonded to
3: my husband because what if I can't cook? What if I am sick? I'm a cancer survivor. What if when I was down with cancer for a year and a half, there was no women there to take care of my babies? What a great Why would example. I want that? Why do we want to live in isolation? Well, it's so because funding, it's a very small perspective. It works for us.
1: It works yes. for us. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal? I mean, this is such a great uh, description of the needs that we have and aren't being met in our culture by and large. Um, but then again, on the personal level, as you know, people are I'm sure people in your groups and so forth, come up with the issues about how do you deal with jealousy and how do you deal with the fear of loss? And I, I know people who have um, ended up splitting up because one person, one of the partners developed a deeper relationship with somebody else, even though the idea was to just expand their relationships rather than change them.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the the fact of the matter is we have to deal with jealousy. <laughs> but But jealousy doesn't just affect relationships, it affects our entire lives and but we have yeah. to understand, what yeah. is jealousy? You know, like really what, what is it? And when you look at, when you look at it for basically what it is, it's essentially a fear based on scarcity. I mean, jealousy is really brought out primarily in this capitalistic structure that we live in. It's fear that we won't have something that we think we need. So we project these thoughts of not having it And then we incorporate that feeling of that image, that future image that will probably never come to pass. And that's what jealousy actually is. It's based based on scarcity. So, but progressive love, in progressive love, we don't believe in the concept of scarcity unless it's what you want to create for yourself. There's no Mm -hmm. need for scarcity. There's no need to think that you're not going to have something. And when we talk about jealousy from a modern relationship perspective, we're really talking about the jealousy within, within... A lack of love we want to feel special and wanted and needed but you have to understand you are special you are wanted you are needed and you have to realize that within yourself first like actually realize it many people say yeah we understand what you're talking about Carlin can you next no but do you do you actually feel it in your heart to the point where you can actually practice compersion which is the opposite of jealousy, which is you pouring out love, not expecting anything back in return. We have to learn this or relearn this as human beings. It used to be a part of of who we were. Scientists have done experiments to show that we much prefer to love others and give to others as opposed to feel jealousy or anger or resentment.
1: Absolutely. So, yes, it's very
2: real, and we have to deal with this, and that's primarily one of the things we, we do in our practice is helping people through it.
1: That's great, and I suppose you also deal with something that we'll have to probably take up after the break, but that is the desire to feel like you are your partner's best lover. I mean, that's something that goes really deep to the heart of, uh, I suppose, people's insecurity is that they want to be the best lover to their partner, but not everybody can be your best lover. Of course, people can be different kinds of lovers, but for the moment, we're going to have to take our last break, and um, we'll come back and get to that topic before we move on to the others so this is ellen etop with my guests kenya and carl stevens on ecstatica and when we come back if you have a question uh call into the live show and we'll discuss it call 866-472-5794 so we'll be right back
0: This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network.
3: Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here.
4: Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to radioshow at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff discussing progressive love and polyamory with Kenya Kay and Carl Stevens. So before we uh, broke, we were discussing um, jealousy and it was very well explained by Carl, but then there's this piece that I think is the hardest one for people to, to deal with and that is the desire to be, I know it comes from a selfish perspective, but the desire to be your partner's, at least your primary partner's, best lover or their favorite
3: lover. So how do you deal with that? Do you want to be the best doctor or the best lawyer or the best student or whatever? Those things are contrived ideas. There is only one Ellen. There's one Ellen on this planet, and only Ellen can deliver sexually, mentally, emotionally, spiritually what Ellen delivers. So we work with our clients to help them understand that your partner can have a 1,000 lovers, but there will not be another you. What the chemistry is with you and your partner, he will not have that chemistry anywhere else on the planet ever. And that's really the only way to understand how to get past insecurity and jealousy. But one thing we need to talk about is envy. Because one thing that we think of when we think of women, oh, they're so jealous, oh, they're so jealous. I found that I wasn't jealous when my husband had other partners. I was envious. Oh, in what I was, way? I was envious because he felt so free. I feel oh. you know, As a woman in this culture, after the witch hunts, after women can be stoned in the streets for having sex outside of her marriage, after all of those years of trauma, in my cellular memory, I couldn't understand how he could feel free enough to do this, and that was I was envious of him for that.
1: Speaking of freedom, I just have to say, I've read your blog, and I want to tell people about jujumamablog.com, because your, your old post on your, uh, it was the uh, Equinox post, the yes, yes, yes ritual, it was so inspiring. I have to just say, I loved it. Good. And it it speaks to that freedom and the trust and the willingness to be open and receive. And I think that's a little bit of what you're speaking to right now.
3: Absolutely. And I had to decide that I was going to step into that freedom and give up the fear that he wouldn't respect me or he would think I was a whore or he would think that I wasn't a good wife if I did the same thing that he felt free enough to do. That was hard.
1: Yeah. So now the truth is, sometimes people are going to find another partner. I mean, maybe you're the best partner they're ever going to have, but I know situations where people, um, they've got a rich bonding friendship and they may have sex, but they actually have preferred sex with other partners.
2: You've seen will this. Well, they actually I'm have sure. what with other partners?
1: With other partners. That they, they, have, better, they prefer oh, sex? the sexual aspect of their, they prefer having sex with other people than their primary partner.
2: Yeah. See, here's here's what happens. Um, Your sex life, as an individual, you know, not just with your partner, just as as you, as an individual, is solely and completely determined by your belief and freedom around your sexuality. It's not really, you know, it. See, there is no, there is no best out there. If you're completely open and completely free, then you will have mind-blowing, dynamic sexual connections with every single person you attract into your reality. That's what we're trying to get people to understand. Is, see, the reason why we support open relationships is not because, like, that's just what we believe in and we're against sexual exclusivity or what other things. No, it's because when you're open, you're going to attract and connect organically with all different types of people. And what it's going to do is it's going to help you realize the, the beauty within your own sexuality. But, but if you're close to the experience of sex, then you're never going to realize that. And the reality is most people, many people are very fearful of sex. I mean, speak for me as a man growing up. I was, I've always been fearful of sex. Oh, really? I had a couple of times, oh, yeah, men are scared are scared. Completely bisexual. They're scared of women. They're scared of failure in the bed. They're scared yes. of not living up to the masculine paradigm, which is completely and totally incorrect in this culture today. There's so much pressure on men to perform sexually that it's gone it's the other way. They've tried to suppress women and women's sexuality in order to feel superior and okay sexually themselves. That's what you see happening in the Middle East, right? So oh, yes. what we're trying to explain to women is, like, look, you are a goddess, period. The goddess lives within you. She's a sexual goddess. She's a manifestation goddess. She's a mother. She's all these things. But if you don't utilize her according to the law of use, then you're, you're going to feel deficient. And, that, and then you're going to look for justification. Like, oh, am I the best? Well, I know I'm the best if he only sleeps with me. And you're looking for that kind of uh, indication. But that's a false indication. There is no best is just you having beautiful, dynamic, orgasmic sexual experiences with all your partners, period.
1: Yes. Woo! Yes, yes. <laughs> so you just said something, and I just lost it for a moment. I didn't write it down because I was so entranced. So with what you were saying, so um, you said,
3: uh, oh, the the law of use. Can you explain that? Yes, the law of use. It's very simple and that's why women today will tell me as a woman married 19 years I'll talk to another married woman and she'll say oh I don't think about other men and I have a low libido and I just don't want sex cuz she's because not having she's enough not, right well <laughs> I said well, cuz she's so not well, having she's enough not, she's not utilizing the yes. principle of her inner goddess right.
4: so of course use it or lose weight. it
3: yeah if it stays with her, she will go insane. That's what bipolar is. She will go insane if it were to stay. The body protects us. the mind protects us. If we're not going to use one of our faculties, our erotic, joyful, orgasmic goddess, then she is going to extricate herself from our being and go into mm. hiding. Well and put. only Thank come you. out when, only come out when we have PMS, which is a complete farce. And when we are hormonal, which is a complete farce, all of those are indications that your goddess is in hiding and she's throwing stones whenever she has the opportunity to do so.
1: Love it. Right? Love it. Good point. Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that's what happens with a lot of women, uh, that, that menopause just becomes an excuse oftentimes. Yeah. not. I mean, sure, there are horm- I believe there are hormonal issues, that we are sort of a bag of chemicals, but... A lot of women who have not been having a happy sex life kind of use menopause as an excuse to just, you know, check them off their list. And what is a happy sex list.
3: life? For most people, they just don't know. You see what I'm saying? They think that a happy sex life is getting married to one man, having sex with one man for the next 80 years. Well, who is it worked for? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so now before, we I want to make sure we uh, don't, Uh, forget to talk about the issue of having children at home so you know what do you share with your children what do you discuss and do you have rules about your polyamorous lifestyle and um, like I know for example I know of a couple who've had an open marriage for decades and their rule when their kids were at home was that they would never bring a lover into their home for under any circumstances, for them, it was like not even to a party or whatever. So in this case, it meant that their current friends were off limits. Now, I, that's cl- clearly not the route that you're suggesting, but I'd like to know how you deal with children living at home and yeah, I mean, uh, lifestyle.
2: You know, based on that example, I mean, what's the psychology behind letting somebody into your body, but, but that person being unfit to be introduced to your children? You know, well it's
1: not that we, yeah, that, that I totally agree with that. But the question really is, do your children know about your having sexual relations with other people? How did you bring that up with them? If the answer is yes, and how do you yes. deal with this? How do they discuss yes. it with their friends, their schoolmates, and so forth?
2: Yes, they they know that, you know, their mother and father have, you know, other relationships, other friends, some of which are sexual, uh, most of which are not. Mm-hmm. Um their friends at school mostly probably do not know, um, but some do, and you know the the feedback I think is kind of mixed. What the the primary feedback from our children is that you know we we talk about sexuality and relationships very openly with our children, and their primary feedback is that most children don't really understand sexuality. And when you talk about our kids, my son is fifteen, my oldest son is fifteen, my daughter is thirteen, and my my youngest son is nine. So they're, they're saying that a lot of households, um, you know, suffer from separation and divorce. A lot of children have what they deem to be a fairly immature view on sex and sexuality and relationships um, and that they probably need somebody to talk to about it. So we try to keep an open mind. Whenever our children approach us with a question, we answer that question. And we tend not to hide things from them. We don't just throw stuff on them, but we don't hide who we are from our children.
1: Okay, so you clearly have a very um, big perspective and a very whole or holistic perspective on relationships, including sexuality is just a component of that. So um, I want to give you a chance to tell people, you know, how your coaching style is unique because you say it is and you can tell it is just from listening to you and You know, how people can learn about your programs. Like, tell us a bit about what you offer and how people can learn more about it.
3: Well, we offer so much. But the best thing that I think we offer, two things, is our coaching, which a lot of couples really need. And, you know, going to a therapist, you're not going to get an alternative view. So a therapist, you know, we offer love coaching that is dynamic and alternative and really creative So most of our clients come to us from all over the world via our website, jujimama.com, and they really enjoy the coaching because it's so different from what they get from a a traditional therapist. The other thing that we offer that we really love is our groups. That's where you can come in and meet other people who we call progressives. You can meet so many progressives who are married, um, sexually exclusive, or open, or gay or lesbian people who are living a progressive lifestyle who can talk to each other and we support each other we have a lot of fun in our um private groups everything's very private in our group so that people can feel free
1: now are these live groups are these on the phone or
3: on the web or what um our live groups are on facebook and they are very they're private groups on facebook we have one for men only, one for women only, and one for our co-ed group of progressives. But we also meet with that same group on the phone every Monday night with a fresh class and fresh information and support. Okay. So for pe- if people want to find
1: out about these groups and maybe explore and join a group, do they, go to, they go to jujumama.com. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's correct. That's our blog site. You can find all of our blogs, information. We also have a store link on that site, or you can go to jujumama.store.com to see our products and services directly. And to join the community, you would go to memberships under services and memberships, and you would sign up as extended or immediate, etc.
1: Okay, so I want to make sure that's j-u-j-u-m-a-m-a dot com. Got that? Is that right?
2: That's correct, yes.
1: Okay. So um, I want to thank you two so much. This has really been rich. This has been Mind Expanding, which is just what I try to do on the show, is expand people's perspective of what's possible in relationships and their sex lives. So thank you so much for being here.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It was a really great interview. Thank you. It's
1: been my pleasure. So if you'd like a transcript of this show or my other Ecstatica shows on Voice America and the links to Kenya and Carl Stevens' website, visit ecstatica.com slash show. That's E-X-T-A-T-I-C-A dot com slash show. This is Ellen Etoff in support of you having an erotic, ecstatic love life.
0: We hope you've learned from and enjoyed the show today. Join us again for another stimulating hour of Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life, with your host, Ellen Etoff, on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. This week, enjoy the best sex of your life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com.